Morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leading Off. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. With me is my producer and taste tester for Pringles, Brendan Tuma, and you can find him on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. It's a pretty full Thursday yesterday, so we've got a lot to get to. Let's start with my three biggest takeaways, which are Zach Gallen being the first ever consecutive top takeaway with his stellar outing against the Cardinals, Adbert Alzale dazzling in relief for the Cubs, and Trevor Story set to miss multiple weeks with his thumb injury. We'll move from Story into all the other injury news, like Rich Hill likely to miss significant time if not the season, and Adalberto Mondesi hitting the injured list, before we discuss all of yesterday's notable performances. And of course, I will tell you what to look out for in today's action. You guys don't know this, but Brendan is a legitimate fantasy jinx. Every single time, and I mean that literally, every time he texts me about a pitcher doing well and he thinks I should discuss him, that pitcher immediately gives up a run. It is one of the great phenomena in the world. When sports gambling reaches its apex and we can do things like betting on pitchers giving up runs on the next pitch, Brendan and this podcast are going to make you all millionaires. So when he texted me Gallon with like five exclamation points, I turned on the game just in time to see Gallon finally give up a run. Blame Brendan. But Gallon was still electric yesterday, allowing just one run over five innings against the Cardinals. He gave up five hits and two walks while striking out six. Gallon threw 99 pitches and had 10 swinging strikes, so that's good, but not elite. And he sat at 92.7 miles per hour with his fastball, and touched 94.3, so that was honestly a little lighter than what I thought that the scouting reports had said, particularly given that this was his first start in the majors, where I assumed that he would be a bit ramped up. But I don't really care too much about any of that. His pitch mix is fantastic. 29% fastballs, 38% sliders, and 25% change. I was flipping around a bit, but then went back and watched his entire start, and he so clearly is such a savvy pitcher, and his stuff is really, really quality. Gallon is 22% owned. I take that as a personal insult. We've been talking for weeks about how it was likely going to be a call-up at the end of June, and you should be stashing him even with the unending impediments to his call-up. 22% for a guy that legitimately has the potential to be a top 30 starter if everything breaks right. Yeah, there are still a couple of risks, but after this debut, there's no way the Marlins can think about sending him back down to AAA, even with Pablo Lopez's shoulder injury reportedly being minor. Add him, like now. He probably has a two-start week next week against the Nationals and the Phillies. You can change your kid's diaper or watch the road later, open whatever app your site has, and add him. Thanks. This podcast has not been around for that long, but we do have a notable first today which is the first time that a non-closer reliever is a takeaway. And you can thank the Cubs' Adbert Alzale, who was called up and relieved Tyler Chatwood yesterday against the Mets. Alzale allowed one run over four-plus innings on one hit and two walks while striking out five, including four in a row at one point. Alzale's lone hit allowed was a homer to Todd Frazier in the ninth inning when it looked like he ran out of gas a bit. Now, as we discussed last week, Alzale was dynamite of late in AAA going 2-0 with a 193 ERA over his last five starts there, striking out 40 and walking three in 28 innings. He is a future stud in the Cubs rotation, but Joe Madden has tried to downplay his impact this year, 
saying that he wants to keep him as more of a piggyback role for Chatwood. And to be fair, Chatwood was signed as a starter and he has improved this year over last year's abomination, but come on. The Cubs are in a dogfight and they're down their most reliable starter in Kyle Hendricks. If I were a betting man, I would guess that Alzale gets the call next week against the Braves. But even if he does not, add him now just in case. Like all prospects, you don't add them for their immediate impact necessarily, you add them for their potential. And Alzale oozes just that. Between him and Gallen, I would be prepared to spend a lot of fab this weekend. As we mentioned on yesterday's podcast, Trevor Story appeared to injure his right hand on a slide on Wednesday and was removed from the Rockies game. Well, it turned out to be a thumb injury, and although x-rays were negative, he is going to miss multiple weeks with a thumb sprain. Alright, the good news, if you want to call it that, is that Story reportedly suffered no serious structural damage and he is not going to need surgery. Remember that Story tore the UCL in his left thumb back in August 2016, and he did need season-ending surgery. So this definitely could be worse. But you know, when you break your leg slipping on the transformer that your kid left out, the fact that it could be worse because you could have broken both legs is of little consolation. We have no details here on the injury beyond it being a sprain and story to miss multiple weeks. So there's not much you can really do except think about how to fill the hole long term. Now in story's place, the Rockies recalled Brendan Rodgers, who did not start yesterday, but did single after pinch hitting. You know that Rodgers got off to a rough start in his call-up, but he should play regularly over Pat Vileka. It's deeper leagues at this point, but Rodgers has the talent despite his poor showing earlier, and he could be worth a pickup if you're struggling at middle infield. There were plenty of other injury developments yesterday, including Rich Hill being placed on the 10-day injured list with a flexor tendon strain. Hill had an injection, and he's going to rest for 3-4 to four weeks before he's allowed to resume throwing. So let us just speak as frankly as possible here. You can drop Hill unless you have plenty of injured list spots and it doesn't bother you at all. Your best case scenario at this point is likely a two-month absence and I repeat, that is a best case scenario. Hill himself labeled it as just a possibility that he's going to pitch again this season. Now it's unclear right now who is going to take Hill's spot in the rotation, but it's likely either Julio Urias who made a spot start last night and struck out five over three innings or Ross Stripling. The Dodgers should provide some clarity soon, and neither Urias or Stripling would make an immediate pickup. Adalberto Mondesi's groin injury requires a trip to the injured list. Now, it's described as a low-grade strain, and Nedios does not think that this is going to keep Mondesi on the injured list much beyond the minimum time. Umberto Artiaga should play in Mondesi's place, but he's not really worth a look other than in AL-only leagues as a short-term play. And Mike Clevenger went from, huh, I didn't know you had an ankle injury to, alright, well, I guess you'll at least start Saturday against the Tigers, to, oh, you're going on the injured list. I got it. This still doesn't sound all that serious for Clevenger, but he is not going to start Saturday, obviously. It's unclear who will, but the Indians are kind of running out of bodies, so don't worry about it. Ken Giles returned from the injured list yesterday and pitched a clean inning with two strikeouts against the Angels. He should be good to go as the Blue Jays' closer going forward. Mitch Hanniger seems likely to be out until after the All-Star game with his injury that shall not be named, as does Carlos Correa with his rib injury. Nolan Arenado left the Rockies-Diamondbacks game with an injured toe after he fouled a ball off his foot. X-rays were negative here, but Arenado has been bothered by this toe off and on for a week, so monitor this situation. Mitch Garver left the Twins-Royals game with left heel soreness. 
There's no word on the severity yet, but Jason Castro and Williams Astudillo would see additional time at catcher if Garver misses time. Andrelton Simmons had a bit of a setback and will not return this weekend after all. When you think about it, Simmons' story is a little crazy. It's like you go on a diet and you say, I'm not eating dessert again for at least six months after I lose 50 pounds. And then you lose 30 pounds in that first month and you're like, sweet, this is going so much better than expected. And you start eating dessert again and you gain that weight right back. Simmons had a grade three ankle sprain. That's like a three month recovery timeline and suddenly he was all of a sudden coming back in a month? That made no sense. Simmons ate dessert way too fast. Now he's got to lose that weight all over again. Seriously, the Angels say he may still rejoin them next week, but I would put the over-under on three more weeks here in my entirely uneducated opinion. Now, there were plenty of notable performances from yesterday, including Cattell Marte, who led off for the Diamondbacks against the Rockies and went 4-for-6 with a run scored. Marte, who is now batting 305, registered his fourth consecutive three-hit game. It feels like we mention Marte every single podcast, but it's warranted. I mean, I would probably sell high at this point because what he's doing is legitimately absurd, but his production has largely been backed up by the metric so far this year. Mike Miner was fantastic yet again yesterday against the Indians, allowing just one run and six base runners over eight innings while striking out four. This one was again in Arlington, where it was 95 degrees and the ball flies. Yet Miner has a 2.52 ERA overall and a 2.03 ERA in his eight home starts. That is really remarkable. He's going to take on Detroit next. Note that Sean Kelly had a bit of a bumpy save for the Rangers in that game, but he remains the Rangers' closer for now. And Danny Santana stole his ninth base and hit his seventh homer. The guy is widely available, eligible everywhere, playing every day, and offering both power and speed. Sounds like an ideal pickup to me. And I'm going to call this segment here, these are four pitchers who struggled, plus two hitters who are hot. Catchy, right? Look, I'm exhausted. It's been a long week, and I don't have a movie reference right now. I'm not a machine, guys. So, four pitchers who struggled. Nick Pavetta, Jimmy Nelson, Madison Bumgarner, and Jake Odorizzi. Pavetta is, to me, by far the most disappointing. He allowed six runs on seven hits and two walks over five and a third innings against the Nationals, striking out just two. Now, I gave Pavetta a pass against the Braves his last time out, but I'm not going to do so here. He's now allowed five homers over his last two starts and walked five. We're kind of back to square one a bit here with Pavetta, who has great stuff but just is not seeing the results. I would probably start him next time out against the Mets because it's an opportunity for a win against a mediocre offense. But if he struggles again, we really have to entirely reassess our rest of season outlook on the guy. As for Nelson, he may legitimately be out of the Brewers' rotation here, as Craig Council was clearly frustrated after Nelson allowed five runs on seven hits and four walks, plus a hit batter, in five innings yesterday. Nelson looked fine before his call-up in AAA, but he's now allowed 13 earned runs in 12 innings. And really, the thing with Nelson is the walks. He's got 10 in those 12 innings. You can't walk and or hit batters to load the bases and walk them in. That's not rocket science. With such little command, Nelson's leash can't be very long at this point. I would personally hold him if I could just because we've seen what he can do when he's right, but he's certainly not on the can't cut list. Madison Bumgarner probably is, however, despite allowing six runs to the Dodgers for the first time in his career. Bumgarner pitched just three and two-thirds innings, allowing ten hits and a walk. He's got a tremendous history against the Dodgers, 
but this is not the same Bumgarner, and this is not the same Dodgers. Bumgarner now has a 4.28 ERA, but he remains a more than usable pitcher given his strikeout rate, and even with the abysmal outing, his whip is still just 124. He's going to take on the Rockies at home next, where you should start him. And I'm just kind of a bad person because I admit I root against Jake Odorizzi for no legitimate reason. I feel like when Seinfeld tries to return the crested jacket and the store asks why, and he says, for spite, because he doesn't like the salesman who sold it to him. And the manager says, no, I'm sorry, we, we can't take a jacket back because of spite. And he says, fine, well, then it's because I don't like it. And the manager responds with, well, you already said spite, so... I basically told you I had no interest in Jake Odorizzi for weeks, despite his dominance. And even though I eventually relented and said you had to own and start him, I really just root for him to eventually come back down to earth so I don't feel like I was totally off. I root against Jake Odorizzi, a seemingly very good guy who is a solid major league pitcher, because of spite. And I could try to pretend it's something else, but I already said spite, so... Odorizzi allowed four runs on eight hits over four innings against the Royals yesterday his second consecutive subpar start against Kansas City. This seems like nothing more than correction, if anything, as Odorizzi was not going to have a sub-2 ERA all year long. You can continue to throw him out there against the Rays next, where I will probably still root against him because I don't like the salesman who sold him to me. Note that in that Twins-Royals game, Ian Kennedy got yet another save his ninth. Saves come in bunches, and Kennedy has started racking them up consistently. Go ahead and add him if you're starving for that category. Now, two standout hitters from yesterday include Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Ryan McMahon. And Gurriel blasted his ninth homer of the season in just 145 plate appearances, and he has three home runs in his last four starts. Gurriel is barreling the ball more, and he has improved his launch angle, but he still has an expected batting average of just 252, well below his 280 mark. But he is being a lot more selective, and it seems to be working for him right now, so certainly as a middle infielder, he is worth an add. As is Ryan McMahon, who went 1-for-4 with a run scored and an RBI yesterday against the Diamondbacks. In his last six games, McMahon is 13-for-27, with six runs scored and 10 RBI. Finally clear of competition, McMahon may finally be relaxing and becoming the hitter that everyone expected. He's just 9% owned now, though he is widely available if you need some help. Finally, appropriate of nothing, I will note that Bryce Harper led off for the Phillies yesterday. Sounds like Gabe Kapler was just trying to jumpstart the Phillies' stagnant offense, and it didn't work. I doubt that this is a long-term move. As for what I will be watching for today, well, I'll certainly want to watch Aaron Judge in his first game back. That Yankees lineup is downright scary. But really, I'm also going to be watching you Darvish against the Mets. I'm finally back in here on Darvish after his last outing, so he really needs to follow it up with a good one here. And not like a five-inning, three-walk, three-run performance. Like an, oh, right, that's what Darvid used to look like performance. And that's it for today's episode of Leading Off. Brendan and I have a small weekly ritual, which began on the Friday of our first week, when Brendan texted me, I can't believe it, we made it through a week. And I texted back, I'm so proud of us. And it kind of became our thing. And we do it after every Friday episode, except one time when Brendan forgot and that is the backstory behind why I insult him constantly. But consider this us virtually texting you to tell you that I can't believe it, we made it through another week. I'm so proud of us. It's been a fun season, but we are not even halfway through our fantasy baseball championship season, so rest up this weekend. As always, 
Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at DanHarris80 or Brendan at TooMuchTuma if you want to chat. Enjoy your Saturday and Sunday, my friends. I'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>